and Ann for that ministry and music. Thank you all for returning tonight. Appreciate your being out this evening. As it was being announced about the uh, reading program and um, the people that are trying to finish up, uh, how long do they still have to read? Okay, to the day of the ice cream party. Uh, let me recommend a book to you. It's in our library. It's written by Nick Poles. He is the uh, quarterback that led the Eagles to the Super Bowl last year. Uh, he is a uh, born-again Christian. Uh, he is uh, actually taking some uh, seminary classes while uh, he is playing football. His goal is to be a pastor when he retires. Uh, he has a very clear testimony. It's a very easy read, uh, not hard at all. Uh, it's got a lot of football stuff in it, so if you don't like football, you may not really appreciate it, but if you enjoy reading about football a little bit, uh, then uh, I, I would highly recommend it. But it's really refreshing to hear in a very practical way how he lives out his faith. And uh, so it was, to me, just very refreshing. And uh, as I say, a good read, and you can breeze through the book. And I would uh, just say, if you're looking for something light but uh, encouraging, that would be a, a good book to, to read. All right, well, uh, let us look at our handout tonight. We are actually in kind of part two of it is not, uh, God is not served in vain. Uh, we dealt with this uh, last week or last time in which the people were saying that it was vain to serve the Lord. So last week we considered the children of Israel had been very critical of God. Rather than welcoming or even accepting God's reproof, instead they found fault with God. On each of these occasions, God has brought up an accusation. They've said, what do you mean? <laughs> we don't do that. And then uh, God lays out the case as to how they had done what he said. And... Uh, here we find that in talking among themselves, they grumbled against God. ESV reads in verse 13, Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. And the NAS translates that, You have been arrogant against me. And uh, the uh, Malachi 3.13, the NIV reads, uh, You have said harsh things about me. They had been grumbling, complaining about God. They had been accusing God. God, of not being faithful to them, not watching over them. And they questioned God and what they had grumbled against him. They said, how have we spoken against you? They said that there was no benefit in serving God. In addition, the unrighteous get away free from any consequence of their wickedness. You have said, it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? So what benefit has it been that we have been uh, striving, working hard, being God's servants? And, of course, uh, they had not been striving, working hard, or being God's servants. God said, you are worshiping me in vain. They came to realize that they were worshiping him in vain, but they found the fault to be in God, not themselves. 
And then secondly, and now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. So here's the aspect that God is unjust. God is not good. God does not punish the wicked. He allows them to go free. These are, of course, the enemies of Israel, and uh, they are wondering why doesn't God punish them as the way that they think that he should. So the theme tonight is we look at the benefits of serving the Lord. I don't know if you ever wrestle with the idea that uh, it's not paying off for you, that you are uh, trying to do what is right when everybody else around you doesn't seem like they're trying to do what's right. Uh, when you are trying to be honest and forthright and people are dishonest with you and I don't know if you ever stopped and said, wow, I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if there's really any benefit in serving the Lord or not. Well, tonight we look at the benefits of serving the Lord. First, God makes note of those who faithfully serve him. Those who fear the Lord speak well of him. Verse 16, those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before them of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They honored his name. They glorified his name. They weren't grumbling and complaining. They were not saying that they served the Lord in vain. Uh, they were speaking well of God when they spoke to each other. So there was a real difference between the righteous and the unrighteous between those that were worshiping uh, falsely and those that were worshiping uh, sincerely. And uh, their, their talk was different. Their view of God was different. Those who fear the Lord stand in opposition to those who say that they serve the Lord in vain. Uh, you have said, referring to the Israelites in general, it is vain to serve the, uh, God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. Well, here we find out that these that are God-fearing people, they speak differently. And God distinguishes between those who fear him and those who don't. God heard what those who feared him said. Then there arose those who feared the Lord, spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard him, uh, them. Uh, there is always a remnant. There's always a godly people in every generation. Uh, the word of God has promised that his truth will endure to every generation. There will always be a people of God. Uh, sometimes they are in the vast minority, but there's always a people. That's something, of course, Elijah had to uh, find out when he was on the mount and said, I alone am serving you. God said, oh, no, you're not. There, there are thousands that haven't bowed their knee. Sometimes we can get to feel like, well, we're all alone. Well, we're not. There are many, many people that are serving the Lord, that love him, that seek to honor his name, and that doesn't go unnoticed by God. Uh, many times we think about the fact that God knows our every thought, God knows our down-sitting and our uprising, and uh, it's viewed in kind of a negative sense. God knows everything that we do, so you better watch out. Uh, God knows everything that we are thinking, so you better keep your thoughts pure. And it right immediately almost goes to the negative, this aspect that God knows everything about me. But here it's in the positive. Uh, God 
hears. God knows when you have been worshiping him in spirit and truth. God knows when you've been speaking well of him. He pays attention to that. Uh, it does not go unnoticed. Uh, we may feel at times that other people don't notice the good that we do or the activities that we engage in or the, the work that we offer. And that might contribute to that sense, is it worthwhile to be serving the Lord? Or other people don't seem to be giving us the credit that we might think that we deserve. Well, God knows. And God remembers. What they said showed reverence for God's name and esteemed his name. We're not told specifically what it was that they said. Perhaps they were speaking of the need to repent due to the ruined crops. Uh, the many hardships had come upon the nation of Israel. They men, might have been talking among each other about the need to repent. Perhaps they were encouraging each other to steadfastly do what was right. Perhaps they were defending the character of God as one who does what is just and right. Maybe they were standing up to those that were complaining and grumbling. Uh, maybe they were taking their stand for God. It doesn't tell us specifically how they esteemed his name and how they spoke well of him, but they did but they did, and the ways in which that can be done are myriad. The point is, God will record the names of those who have spoken well of him so that they will be sure to be honored. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him. A book of remembrance was written before him. It was common in the Old Testament era that kings kept records of those who did feats that are worthy of being honored. Okay, so a registry would be made. It was quite common among uh, the kings of the Old Testament era that when people did noteworthy acts, they were written down, they were recorded, so that at some point in time in the future, they would be rewarded for their faithfulness, for their for their duty. The supreme example in the uh, Old Testament that's recorded for us comes from the book of Esther, and you probably know the story well, but let me uh, refresh your memory. In the book of Esther, the king had a book that contained the names of those that performed honorable deeds. On that night, the king could not sleep, and he gave orders to bring the book of memorable deeds, the chronicles, and they are read before the king. So the king couldn't sleep, and he said, oh, bring, me a, bring me that book where I've recorded uh, the good things that, that people have done. He wanted to speak positively. He wanted to think positively. He wanted to have a good night's rest. And the king discovered the name of Mordecai, who had saved the king's life. And it was found written how Mordecai had told about Big Thathna and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, who guarded the threshold and who had sought to lay hands on King Azurus. The king inquired concerning the manner in which Mordecai was honored. The king said, what honor or distinction has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? Okay, so as he's reading, and many of you probably know the story of the book of Esther, but the point is, up comes Mordecai's name. Uh, he was responsible for saving the king's life. And the king said, how has this guy been rewarded? What, what did we do for him? And uh, so D, the king discovered 
that Mordecai had not been honored. And the king said, what honor or distinction has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? The king's young men who attended him said, nothing has been done for him. Uh, he hasn't been honored in any way. And so the king made sure that Mordecai was honored. Then the king said to Haman, and you know the story of Haman and how he was uh, trying to have all the, the Jews killed uh, in the land. Then the king said to Haman, hurry, take the robes and the horse, as you have said, and do to Mordecai the Jew. Uh, he'd asked Haman how, this pers- how a person that uh, the king wanted to honor should be honored. Mord- uh, Haman thought, well, he must be thinking about me. And so he said, you should honor him in this way. Let him ride the king's horse and uh, let uh, people proclaim his goodness and so on. Uh, But of course, the king was not thinking about Haman. The the king was thinking about Mordecai. And he said, hurry, take the robes and the horse, as you have said, and do so to Mordecai the Jew who sits on the king's gate. Leave out nothing that you have mentioned. So it was common to have this book. And it was used to make sure that people that had done good deeds would in fact be rewarded. That is picked up upon in this text. God will remember our righteous acts. That is to reward them. God will not remember our unrighteous deeds. That is to hold them against us. I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Okay. Here is a graphic way of just saying that the things that we do are not going to go unrewarded. God doesn't need a book in order to remember. But it's a statement of the surety. And I believe it really is a literal book. We get to the book of Revelations and it says the the books are going to be opened. And uh, so I think there are these books that are going to exist that are going to testify Uh, to the truthfulness, the accurateness of God's judgment. And when these books are opened, there's going to be a rewarding of those that, in this text, have spoken well of God. The point is, it doesn't go unrewarded. It doesn't go unnoticed. The reward may not be immediate, but the reward's coming. That's the whole point. It may not be immediate, but it's coming. It's sure. Number two. God then delineates the blessing in serving him. It is not vain at all. In the day of judgment, the righteous will belong to God. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. Um, This morning we were in Romans chapter one, and it says the called belong to him. Uh, That is one of the great blessings, that we belong to him. Uh, He will watch over us in the day when I make up my treasured possession. B, in the day of judgment, those who fear the Lord will be delivered from judgment. They shall be mine, says Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. I will spare them as a man serves the son who serves him. There's going to be a distinction. God is going to spare the righteous. There is a great difference between those who serve God and those who do not. Distinction will be readily seen. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. You say there is no difference. There is a huge difference. The distinction between the righteous and the wicked will be great. The arrogant will suffer judgment. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and the evildoers shall be stubble. They're just going to be burned up in this uh, fire of judgment. The righteous will prosper, but you 
who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. You shall go out like leaping calves from the stall. There's not going to be any harm in judgment. The righteous will triumph over the wicked once for all. Verse 3, and you will tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says Lord of hosts. When this day of judgment comes, you are going to be spared. They are going to be punished, and you are going to triumph over them greatly. Uh, God is just. God is holy. There is a day of judgment coming. Conclusion. The Israelites have been saying they had been serving the Lord in vain. There will be no distinction between the righteous and the unrighteous. I've read these verses a few times, but here it is again. You have said it's vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. However, there is a righteous remnant who understand and spoke well of the Lord, knowing that the unrighteous will not escape judgment and the righteous will be rewarded. Verses 16 and 18, and I've already read those. So as we think of this text, it's important for us to keep in mind that the rain falls upon the just and the unjust. In this life, many times it does not seem as though there is benefit in serving the Lord. In this life, many times it seems like good deeds do not get rewarded. And the evil in this world is not punished the way it should. This is not the time for rewarding good and punishing evil. That day is yet future. Uh, that day is coming. That day is real. And one of the challenges for us in this era and point in time in which we live is that there is so much focus on the present and so little focus on eternity that we easily lose sight of the distinction between the righteous and the unrighteous. We are expecting the reward in this life. We're expecting all the benefits in serving God to be now. Uh, we are expecting that God is going to uh, prosper us. God's going to make us wealthy. God's going to do this. God's going to do that. And when we're not wealthy and when we're not this, then we begin to question, is God indeed faithful? Does God honor his word? Yes, because he didn't promise those things. What he promised us was that in the life to come, there's going to be a great reward. There's going to be a distinction. The righteous belong to him. And we are going to be with him in a new heaven and new earth. We are going to be praised. We are going to be rewarded. The wicked are going to suffer. And the wicked are going to be miserable. Uh, what we need to do is continually focus our attention on the life to come and realize that that life is a very real life. And that life is eternal. That life is everlasting. Uh, as the scripture refers to our life now, it's like a vapor. A vapor. It's like a puff of smoke. Uh, it's like the grass that flourishes and then dies. Our life is so minuscule when you think about eternity. This life is so, so short. And it's hard to get your mind around eternity, but it never ends. And the distinction will come when the time of judgment arises. So don't think that you are serving God in vain. Don't think 
that God doesn't notice. Don't think that God has forgotten. Don't think that God is unjust. But remember, the time for reward, the time of judgment, hasn't arrived yet. It's coming. And when it comes, we will not be forgotten. And the good that we have done will not be forgotten. Um, we've got corn tonight. And uh, do you have something to say about that? Did you say stay out of Fellowship Hall? Yes. Yeah, okay. Where the tile is. Okay. I'm with you. Okay. So uh, we're ending early uh, so you can enjoy the corn. I hope that it's ready. But uh, I'm going to pray and I'll pray for the corn so uh, you can eat. Uh, let's pray. Our Father, uh, Help us to always remember the, your faithfulness and that, uh, Lord, you do know what we are going through and it pleases you when we spell, speak well of you, uh, when we seek to, to honor and glorify your name. Thank you that you do not forget. Thank you, Lord, that, that uh, in serving you there's going to be great reward. Uh, I pray your blessing upon us. pray the blessing upon this corn that we're about to eat. Uh, may our time together be sweet and... Uh, May your name be praised in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. And you are dismissed.